I speak to you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. A couple birthdays ago, uh, my younger sister, bless her heart, gave me a bumper sticker. Here's what it said. Jesus loves you, but I'm his favorite. (laughs) And um, I think she was kidding. I'm not entirely sure. But as I read today's gospel, I thought maybe if there... Those disciples had Volkswagens, that bumper sticker might have appeared on the back because we read about them having an argument. It's one of several times in the Gospels when we read about them having an argument about which one of them is the greatest, which one knows Jesus better, which one really gets it, which one is going to get a place of authority in the kingdom to come. And uh, it's probably a conversation that still happens among religious people, perhaps in families, perhaps in churches, perhaps among denominations, perhaps in different faith traditions. Um, But I love that um, this story of sort of the shortcomings of the disciples is included. It occurred to me uh, this week that if... um, It would have taken about an afternoon. It would have taken maybe an hour or two for all the stories in the Gospels that reveal the foibles of the disciples to be edited out. They could have put real good spin on it. And we would get a vision of the disciples as superheroes. Instead, what we get are people like us who are struggling, trying to figure out what it means to walk a faith journey in this world. And that is a great gift. As I thought about the Gospels this week, one of the things that occurred to me, many ways to describe what these documents, these four documents are, but one of them might be to say that the Gospels are education processes for these disciples. That the whole Gospel is really just a, a movement, a school, in which they go deeper in understanding who Jesus is. We heard last week, who do you say that I am? And they're kind of clueless about it, actually. Um, But from the moment Jesus says, follow me, and they drop their nets or get up from the tax collector table and follow him, through the time they follow him with teaching and see his miracles, to the time they do things like today when they hear him say something about the inevitable suffering that's going to come, and they're just clueless. They don't get it, and they resist it all the way to the cross, which is maybe not their finest moment as many of them head for the hills. And then on Easter morning, when they come to that understanding that all these things that Jesus has been saying have come to life, have come to new life. And that group, that ragtag group, I call them ancient Near Eastern Keystone Cops. That ancient group changes the world. 12 people who turn the world upside down. That whole series is um, a learning process for them. And because they are us, we can enter into that learning process. But the story today is kind of early in that process. And we read about Jesus once again. This is the second time in the Gospel of Mark. He will have this prediction of suffering. There'll come one more. Many teachers know that you have to tell people things three times. And that's what Jesus is doing here. And how do they react instead of uh, entering into this mystery, this paradox that the way of life is a way of suffering? They get into this argument about which one is the greatest. 
Uh, and as I say, it's one of several stories in the Gospels that include this dynamic. There's one wonderful story where James and John mother, maybe the original stage mother, comes and lobbies that they might get the corner office or the best seat in the executive committee or whatever. Um, and Jesus says, I want you, I want you in this school to think about things differently. What I want you to think about is what it means that the first shall be last and the last shall be first. And I'm going to take this child here and bring this child front and center and show you that that child knows something about the reality of the kingdom of heaven. And that child and that childlike acceptance of grace is something you need to learn. What's interesting, um, we live in a culture that focuses a lot on children. In some ways, it's child-centric. So many hopes and aspirations for our children. In that culture, children were totally dispensable, marginalized, without much value. And Jesus is saying, that person, that child, is the one you should welcome. And when you welcome that child, that's awesome. When you welcome that child, you are welcoming me. And you are welcoming the one who sent me. And people throughout the history of the church have gotten this message. It's a bit of learning that actually goes against our culture, goes against what we often think of as greatness. St. Benedict, in setting up his monasteries, said you are to welcome the stranger, another marginalized person, you were to welcome that person as Christ. Martin Luther King gave a speech to seminarians at one point, and they were talking about greatness. He says everybody can be great because everybody can serve. He said you don't need to make your subject and verb agree to serve. You don't need to know about Plato and Aristotle to serve. You don't need to know about Einstein's theory of relativity to serve. You don't need to know about the theory of thermodynamics, whatever that is, to serve. All you need is a soul generated by grace, a heart full of love. Soul generated by grace, a heart full of love which to me brings us to Education Sunday and what we are trying to do in all these ways that we teach and hope to grow. And it begins with our young people, our youngest members, our children, as we gather them and teach them about the love of God and about this countercultural message of grace where the first shall be last and the last shall be first. And we not only teach them, but they are our teachers. So many times when I've taught Sunday school, the revelations, the questions, the honesty, the openness of children has been a window for me. Maybe that's been your experience too. And these children who are the future of the church are also our present leaders of the church. And we see that uh, so dramatically in the service with acolytes and singers and readers and prayers and all of the folks, I'm sure I've forgotten somebody, but all of the ways that our young people are leading us in worship. That's one of the ways that we take Jesus' message to heart. 
and we do it in worship. We learn as we come together and experience God's presence in this worship and go deeper in the mysteries of sacrament. And we do it as we hear the word of God and listen to what God has to say to us about this message of grace, this arc of the Bible that says continually that the love of God is something from which we can never be separated. And then we do what Martin Luther King said we serve and we serve in our fellowship and our care for one another, our pastoral care, and also in the many ways that we reach out beyond the walls of this church. All of that is part of being part of the school. So on this morning, I simply wanna invite you to enroll in it in some new way in this coming year, to take part, however God is calling you, into this process of learning, this process of growing, because it matters. And our big and beautiful broken world needs this message of grace, maybe now more than ever. I think of William Sloan Coffin's prayer. He said, the world is too small for, too dangerous for anything but truth and too small for anything but love. So welcome to this Education Sunday. May we find our way to the deeper truth of the love of God from which we can never be separated. Amen.